0: Folks, while we experience this technical difficulty, let's talk about the Metropolis Kittens Hospital. They need donations.
1: Used cat boxes, little
0: bits of string, a patch of ripped-up carpet. All donations are welcome and appreciated.
2: Kumbaya, I have all that stuff. I can help those little kittens. It never hurts to help.
1: Ahoy, ahoy, everybody, and welcome to another Talking Simpsons interview. I am Bob Mackey, hoping for no whammies, who is here with me today.
0: Uh, Henry Gilbert, and it never hurts to help.
1: Exactly, and today we are talking to the great Bill Cop, an animation legend, and if you existed throughout the 80s, 90s, and hell, even today, you've seen definitely at least a few of the things he's worked on, right, Henry, including oh, yeah. the initial Tracy Allman Simpson shorts. Yeah, that was,
0: uh, I had reached out to Bill Cop a while ago after, after we did the David Silverman interview. You know, hearing about Bill Cop that I had seen his other works like uh, Eek the Cat, Terrible Thunder Lizards, The Pressure Luck Whammies, but I wasn't aware that he was like the, the third man of the original Simpsons animators with David Silverman and Wes Archer, and so we wanted to seek him out and, and chat with him on a podcast, and, and he shared with us so many interesting details about those early days of animating The Simpsons on Tracy Ullman.
1: Yeah, we talked to him about his entire career, both The Simpsons stuff and also working on The Roger rabbit shorts working on eek the cat working on the finale for tales from the crypt and so much he basically tells us on the podcast he has not been unemployed since he left uh cal arts and we talk about cal arts too yeah yeah because he's he, in the cal arts mafia he really
0: well he was part of the that group of folks who would leave cal arts in the early 80s and change the animation industry in the united states mm-hmm. and he has so many interesting stories about his time there and yes he is the voice of eek the cat and if you love eek the cat you will hear him do voices so just close your
1: eyes imagine us talking to a purple purple cat uh
0: the friendliest purple cat in the world yeah it was it was so cool talking to bill definitely check out his website for a lot of his content there uh bill uh definitely check that out sadly he's not on twitter the fool he should be on (laughs) twitter miserable like the rest of us so i guess without further ado give a listen to our interview with bill cop about all of his work including the earliest days on the simpsons Uh, well so uh, Bill thanks so much for for coming on I, I guess I wanted to start first with asking you know uh, you got your start at Cal Arts I believe which you know a lot of folks who'd go on to change the animation industry like you were starting then like what were there any other uh, memorable alums
2: uh, you were with then oh and- my god. Everybody. Gary Trousdale, Rob Minkoff, Kelly Asbury, Chris Sanders, um, Peter Chung. I know I'm forgetting some, but it, yeah, it was a whole. Joe Ramft was there. John Lasseter was a couple of years ahead. Tim Burton, of course, went there. Mm. He was gone by the time I got there. But yeah, it was great. Savage of
0: course yeah yeah it was it what was the feeling then at Cal Arts like the you know the 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 early 80s isn't known as is the brightest period in American animation so what what was <laughs> no, the feeling
2: that, that didn't come until later <laughs> uh it was um well I was a painter when I first went there. But uh, I became quick friends with all the animation guys, and uh, and then I switched my major into animation because the animators were just way more fun than the, the brooding painters. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so my second year, I was officially in the animation program, and did Mister Gloom and Observational oh, Hazard, and th- those both won the Student Academy Awards.
0: Yeah, no, those those look yeah. so great. You can see so much of the of your skill in those. You know, you see some some folks as you know students stuff and you're like oh i can see the uh, a little bit of what they've come to be but like there's there's so much like great experimentation in 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 those ones for sure
2: yeah well that was the experiment there was there was character animation which was where most of my buddies were but the, the experimental animation program was where i was assigned to or whatever you want to call it and they, we were really just trying to do weird stuff i mean i there was a lot of drawing <laughs> <laughs> a lot of drawing went into those films
1: so how did you come to start working with uh, Savage Steve Holland, uh, especially with his first two feature films?
2: Well, Savage was, um, I met at CalArts. He was a, a couple of years ahead of me. One or two years ahead, I can't re- remember. But I was uh, 18. I was too young to buy beer. And Savage <laughs> okay. was like the hall manager of, of the, the, the dormitory that I was in. And uh, of course, you know, he likes beer. <laughs> so we became quick friends. And uh, we just were always really friendly and funny together and, and uh, that's how that started yeah he was my first mentor really i think you know he taught me really how to write fast and just he was just a really funny guy
0: and yeah in those early days like were what were some of your first jobs i i i know the there was a game show i i definitely am interested in but was there a thing anything before well, that, thing that later
2: Okay. My first job. My first job was better off dead. Oh, okay. That, wow. I, and man. I actually, I, I was still finishing my second film. That that came right after I graduated, and I still was finishing up my my lap my senior film. And and then as soon as that was done, like in September, that that October of '84, I went right to work it was savage and then right after that we did one crazy summer and then after that the Simpsons. man yeah Yeah.
1: i think i first got to know your work because uh it existed as a cartoon in a place where a cartoon usually wouldn't be like especially one crazy summer i was captivated when that came on hbo just from the crazy insane intro with the hyper violent cartoon
2: oh it was hilarious wasn't it yeah (laughs) that's great yeah um that was what was cool about it You know, it was throwing something in there that was really like a sideways thing you're not expecting. Yeah, I mean that kind of satire is carried on. My Tales from the Crypt is like that. It looks like a really goofy cartoon, but then it just goes horribly wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun to do that with. I mean, it's a cartoon. It's fun to get super violent. (laughs) <laughs> what in i mean cartoons. and
0: and violent cartoons like were really not happening in tv i mean there wasn't like if it was theatrical animation then it was probably just disney and like well, that was in shambles in the early 80s yeah. So, yeah 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 and then a lot of
2: guys that graduated before me you know were going off and they you know they come back to visit or whatever and they'd be like, i'm working on this thing called he-man and i want to pull my head and i was looking at those drawings and i like I couldn't, I would not be able to draw that. I don't know how to draw that. <laughs> I, I can't draw that. I've been really lucky because I really, my drawings are like really mutated, but I've somehow managed to make a living off of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, in, in those live action films, like the, when I saw one crazy summer, the first time, like the, just the rhino short, uh, it freaked me out, but I also loved it as a kid. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. I didn't know cartoons yeah. could do that.
2: Well, we were animating really hard too. Like we, most of that animation is all shot on single frame. Mm. So it's all. That's why it's very, very smooth. You know, we really, we were, we were young animators. So we really wanted to do the, you know, the hardest thing you could do. It's like, yeah, animate really smoothly. Thousands of drawings.
1: So was it on One Crazy Summer that you first uh, worked with David Silverman? And is that how you worked on the initial Simpsons shorts?
2: Well, I met David Silverman because I had a film called Mr. Gloom. My second, my junior CalArts film won a Focus Award. And at the same year, too, that's when I met Catherine Hardwick, because she won also. And Silverman had won the year before. And that's, we all met each other there. So, you know, we became fast friends. And then David was obviously a great animator. And then when when Crazy Summer started up, I was just like, dude, you got to get in on this. And then we went on to The
0: Simpsons we've chatted with Silverman before he had, he had mentioned that on one crazy summer that the, there was, would have been more animation, but something got cut oh, yeah. from it too. Oh, there was a lot more. Yeah. Was it just I, a budget thing? I, I
2: saved everything. I've still got all the pencil drawings.
0: Oh, that's finished. awesome.
2: But yeah, there was, there was a couple other big sequences that never got finished. Ah,
0: that's too uh, bad. Well,
2: or, or they got finished, but they, and you know, some of them didn't, we, they all got shot in pencil tests hmm. and some of them got to the cell color point. And then a lot of them, they just cut it for time, you know.
0: Was it an accident that uh, Steve Holland got into live action, or had, did he wanted to? Oh no, it? no, he
2: was doing that at Cal Arts. He oh. was doing both animation and shooting live action. Plus, Savage is very charismatic and very funny, and you know he's got and he has a, a lot of confidence. So <laughs> he had, he had written. Better off dead already. While he was still at CalArts,
1: it is funny. We were just watching uh, some of the earlier shorts before this interview, and we can see like that is a Bill Cop drawing. That is a David Silverman <laughs> wild take. Oh that, yeah, that is yeah. A, a Wes Archer famous twister mouth on a character <laughs> in those yeah, shorts. Right? So yeah,
2: like. I'm the really crude one. David's the guy that really can draw and Wes (laughs) is the freak, you know, (laughs) (laughs) well, we had so much fun doing that, but we were locked up in that room for like two years, just the three of us. And Matt, Matt would come in like once a week, once or twice a week and we'd work stuff out. But, um, and then when it really got cooking, of course, David was, you know, David was the one that really had an affinity for it. And he re- he's the guy that really took it into the series and honed the style and pulled it together. He was uh, he loved it. And, uh, and thank God for the world. that he did.
1: <laughs> and what did you think of Matt Groening's, uh, you know, writing and ideas for these shorts? Because they really are these early ones very much paced like a uh, three or four panel comic strip.
2: Yeah, they were very much like that. Well, we were big fans of Life in Hell. That was in the, was it in the Reader or the LA Weekly? I forget. Mm. So we were already fans of his. And then Wes was the one that got together with Gavar Chupo and got the gig. I mean, I remember getting the phone call from Wes saying like, hey, because we'd all shot out of CalArts and we had never been out of work. (laughs) Uh Here it was 1986. and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, that's right. We have to look for a job and west called me and and got me started and he and i were the first two guys there and they were like they were just like this is too much fucking work you know (laughs) we need another guy i was like let's get silverman in here and that was that and then i think we brought tim bjorklund down the road but it was a it was about two years of we lived at that studio but you know we were in our mid-20s or whatever back then so we didn't give a shit (laughs) we didn't have anything else to do but and animate well yeah
0: what was the uh like the klasky chupo offices were pretty new at that time right so it
2: yeah it was a little it was down on seward and and melrose and in this really old part of hollywood and we used to call it film town and (laughs) where all these old editing places were and it was like and they were all populated by these really crusty old men you know (laughs) we're like smoking while there's nitrate film around They're just like ah fucking (laughs) good I was doing a, I did a bunch of shorts for Fox right I think before the Simpsons started and I would go down there all the time to edit so we'd rent these little editing rooms and you just have some it was like being on a fishing boat you know you have this crusty old guy like ah you don't know shit kid here let me show you how you do this you know? <laughs> and he'd be editing for you and they all smoked and uh, they really did they looked like pirates man but that whole part of the town was just all little Film hovels that had existed probably since the 30s. Man. Well,
0: I, and I've we've heard before too that like it was super fast, like turnaround for the animation you had to do on that. Like, what? Yeah,
2: every every week it was a minute and a half of animation. So we 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 would split it up into threes. So each of us would have 30 seconds to do to animate. And at the, at, actually, when it first started, there was another sequence too that they cut. Um, it was a MK Brown uh, underground comic artist lady and yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that dr nagatu and that got dropped (laughs) and then um but that was like you know because we're still animating like crazy people so our stuff was even though it looks so crude it was like animated really well Mm -hmm. oh yeah so 30 30 seconds in a week is a lot for one person.
1: Yeah, we noticed uh, they're so much fun to watch just because a character will kind of look different in every scene, but they move so fluidly, and there are so many fun things they can't do on the TV series. Was there any sense of a character uh, being on or off model, or was it just like we have to get this finished? They can look like what they kind of vaguely look like, and and, and Matt Groening's general idea of these characters.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm sure you've seen Matt's early drawings. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Matt can barely draw, let's be honest. Okay. He had and then when it to comes it. to animation, you know, then we have to like try to pull his gun, but we're trying to retain his vibe because we loved. That's a joke. I mean, he just draws yeah, yeah, the way yeah. he draws. You know. Yeah. But it was, about the, it was about the writing, you know. That was that was good story stuff for us too because it was fun to watch. You know, we're already liked him, so it was fun to sort of see how stories evolve and character characters came to be. But no, we never worried about being on a model because there really weren't. I mean, it was crazy, and until the later part of those shorts and then when it went to the into its first season that's when silverman pulled it together and said okay look you know (laughs) but it was great you know but no we never worried about it. we just wanted it to be funny we wanted to animate funny you know i was curious like how
0: much your biggest impact on them like character design wise because definitely like marge changes and bart changes a lot uh, i think most of all like
2: yeah well marge's hair and (laughs) i'm I'm on record for this. That was me. Marge's tall blue hair, because the original drawings of Marge, she just had this short hair, you know, thing. And all my like older relatives, older lady relatives, <laughs> were like the blue classic blue hairs, mm-hmm. and they all had like big like beehive type hair, and that's where that came from. I was like, um... I was making blue and. Make it big. Yeah that that
1: should be how... that should be in your IMDb bio. Inventor of Marge's hair.
2: You know my IMDb. I don't know who wrote them. It, it's all messed up. And I just was talking to my agent the other day, and she's like, "You gotta fix that." I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't have time for that. <laughs> but yeah, I should. Yeah, but so the, you can't rely on IMDb or Wikipedia for that matter they get everything
0: wrong <laughs> i was also curious about uh, in the in the first run of episodes there's an infamous scene that got cut after the first airing of maggie putting a uh, fork in a light socket i was curious if you remember oh that yeah bit. i
2: think i animated that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> she gets electrocuted big yeah, time the
0: take does look like one of yours i'd say yeah, yeah but she goes all
2: cracky and lightning bolt yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
0: did you, did you know they got cut after the, uh, the first
2: airing? I didn't know that. No. Yeah.
0: It, uh, Fox, there were concerns about
2: kids imitating it. Oh, I'm sure. It. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Broadcast uh, I, I... standards and practices. Yeah. <laughs> and did you ever well, any? Uh, cool to know. No, no, I, I, somebody pulled that out and put it's on YouTube. Somebody made a collection of my Simpsons stuff and it, it, it is in there. Mm. So you can still find that somewhere.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately uh, you can't buy those shorts commercially. They've never been made available. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? I feel like it's an important part of Simpsons history.
2: You know, here's the, here's the thing about being the Simpsons. Like I loved it and it was great, but I was still like really young and I wanted to learn more about animation and the animation process. And right as the Simpsons went into uh, going into series, I got an offer from Disney to go and work on the Roger Rabbit shorts. And I, and i couldn't turn that down mm-hmm. so so i left to go do that and i'm glad i did because i learned a lot but no so i don't have any i'm not i mean i love the simpsons but i gotta be honest like i just i don't i haven't watched probably 80 percent of them <laughs> yeah. no the reason i just don't you know it's like i don't know i have no ill feelings but i get i get i get shit all the time people are like, oh you left before the the thing it's like Dude, I was like twenty-six or whatever. You know, I was still learning. You know, and an offer from Disney to get into sort with, with other Cal Arts guys that I loved. You know, so of course I, I went for that. You know.
1: Yeah, to be part of that movement, just the uh, the animation renaissance that was happening there. Roger Rabbit was sort of leading
2: the charge. Oh yeah, I remember the day that movie opened, we all went to the Cinerama Dome. Every animator in town was there. Man, that kitchen scene just blew everybody away. And it's funny too, because I remember, I think we were going back to work after that. And I said to uh, the guys, I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if they made shorts like that? And then like two weeks later, I get a phone call. Uh, Wow. We're making Roger Rabbit shorts, you know?
0: Well, did you get a feel, I definitely want to talk about Roger Rabbit, uh, but when you were at Simpsons in those late days, did you get a feel like it was starting to get popular or did it feel just like a weird little thing?
2: Okay. Oh oh, yeah. We, we, we definitely knew that people liked it, but you know, you can't, no one could have, no one could have predicted the success that it would have had. I mean, that, that's be that'd be like going to see the Beatles play in Hamburg and going like, wow, these guys are great. But not having any idea that I would, you know, take over the world, but we knew it was popular. Yeah, we did. I was also like, I really was still, like I said, I just, I was learning. I wanted to learn more. I'd been working kind of on other people's stuff for a while. And the Disney experience was still, I'm working on something else, but it was in a different level, you know. Mm. And I, I got to really get into story there. And that's where I really learned how to write. And if I hadn't done that, we wouldn't have Eek the Cat or Mad Jack the Pirate or Toon Sylvania or any of those other things because I never would have taken the time to sit down and learn how to write.
1: So, we, I mean, we know most of the public story of what happened with Roger Rabbit. How much of that did you work on? We just know like Disney had invested so much into that character. It's why Toontown was was built in Disneyland, but because of the Eisner-Spielberg dust-up, that project essentially just kind of fell apart because he wouldn't approve anything. That's what the public knows on the outside. Do you have any insight into that at all?
2: Well, we got to the point where I think we had, we had one really funny one that was called Beach Blanket Bunny that never got off the rails. Um, and, and after the trail mix up one, like we, Pat Ventura and me and, God, I, oh, god here, here I go. Here's my brain not working. <laughs> anyway, so they kind of said we're putting the Roger Rabbit stuff on hold till we figure it out. And they gave us, they said, we want to make Mickey Donald Goofy shorts. We were like, great, bring it on. <laughs> And they're like, here's the scripts. And we were like, scripts? Uh, what is that? We never, we never wrote. We did story, but we never wrote. We always drew everything. And we read these scripts, and they were terrible. And clearly not written by anyone that knew anything about animation. And I don't know who wrote them, and I don't care. Uh, but they were awful and i got into a big argument with with my boss at the time and i said i can't i can't do this i can't work on this stuff i left after that um to go right i went on to tasmania it took a while but (laughs) i can't remember the question uh did i answer that yeah yeah yeah. so the idea there there was also a feature script kicking around with the roger thing and that never came to be either and i don't know why i mean i i don't really remember the story i'm sure it had great stuff in it but um yeah
1: i believe it was uh
2: shorts i mean it just kind of all phased out i think that jeffrey might have been leaving around there too or something it was getting getting a little goofy yeah Yeah,
1: yes i I think so what you're saying is the plan was a transition from roger rabbit shorts to mickey donald and goofy shorts then was that their idea yeah
2: okay it it seems like that never happened yeah Yeah. we would have been great we would have loved to do that well i think the guys that do the the mickey mouse show now are, are kind of filled that i mean totally. that, that's the kind of thing we would have ended up doing you know but i love that that show i love those shorts i think they're great oh they're amazing yeah yeah
0: now i think they got out that one runaway brain one but even that was like too
2: extreme for disney well you can't really do that with mickey can you, mm. you know like that they were also doing a lot of weird mer- merchandising stuff like a lot of tacky things happened back then you know they also had me and pat ventura working on the toontown thing we did a a lot of work on that for gags we worked with wed a lot oh nice on on, on coming up with stuff and oh yeah we had a whole goofy's bus tour thing like (laughs) Oh, that's that's a- what really the ride devolved into, but there was a, there were some tacky things that were happening too. Like where they do like Mickey with the hat and he's like posing like, you know, it's just like, what, you know, <laughs> weird
0: stuff. Well, yeah, I, I remember tummy trouble and rollercoaster rabbit. They were both just amazing looking like the, the animation quality level. Like it, you, you guys had such a high bar with the, you know, the Oscar winning animation that was in the, the film, uh yeah. like was uh, did you guys it had to be,
2: yeah, had to at least get there if not top it so they i mean those are all the i think it's the last time they actually people were doing like hand painted watercolor background. wow and uh, how and, uh,
1: how involved was Steven Spielberg uh like hands on with those uh, shorts because uh, it's uh, everywhere
2: everywhere he was great you know i remember pitching him especially on roller coaster and i'd have a weak gag and i'd kind of try to skip through it you know and i get to the end and he'd be like okay but what about this over here and he'd go right back to that weak spot <laughs> he was great he was super nice i, re- I really I, I worked with him a couple times after that too He's, he was great oh yeah yeah
0: and uh, on toonsylvania right that was
2: uh that was one of the yeah. first DreamWorks it was mostly Free, but it was even there too,
0: yeah. Uh, the, the Roger Rabbit thing, I remember those, like, they felt just like classic cartoons. Like, that was what was so special about it. Like, because as Roger Rabbit, like, introduced, you know, uh, me and Bob's generation to the, the classics in a way we weren't really seeing on the He-Man shows and all that. So, I mean.
2: <laughs> well, we were looking back at guys like Bob Clampett and, um, you know, early Tex Avery. Mm. Psychedelic animation, mm-hmm. you know. Our theory was like, and I still live by this. It's like if you if you grab them by the eyeballs, the the their brain will follow shortly thereafter. <laughs> So it was about being visually stunning enough. We're like, this is so fun to look at. Then the rest of the cartoon can take you, you know, wherever
1: wherever we decide to take you. So in the '90s, you had quite a good run on Fox Kids with the uh, Eek the Cat series, which Henry and I both grew up watching and love. Uh, can you yeah. talk? Can you talk about like uh, the pitching process of that and what was it was like to work uh, under Fox Kids? It seems like you can get away with a lot uh, on that cartoon.
2: Well, after all the the Simpsons, Roger Rabbit stuff settled down, I went to Tasmania. They wanted me to direct on that but i wanted to write because that's what i was doing and, th- and then I, and then i hooked back up with savage and we started kicking around you know this idea because he had done some work for fox and he had sort of an in there and he was like let's you know co- he had this cat so we just kind of started messing around with that character i the idea of this really sympathetic positive guy who just gets the shit kicked <laughs> out of him a basic cartoon axiom and um you know i think we did We did um, storyboard, and we had it animated up in Vancouver. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he did. It was like a minute or maybe a little less. And um, so we took that into Fox to show Margaret Lesh and then I guess we made her laugh <laughs> because she bought it.
0: That early time Fox Kids was kind of finding themselves, like it's definitely before uh, they got Batman
2: and uh,
0: the X-Men, all the action stuff. Like, yeah.
2: Well, they kind of had, they had that before Eek. They had Tiny Toons and Uh, They didn't have Animaniacs yet. And Mm. I think Batman was sort of, when we sold Eek, I left Tasmania. And uh, I think Batman was just getting started or had had maybe just started. Mm. But Margaret Lesh was the key person, you know. We just made her laugh. And (laughs) she trusted us and she would just let us go do our thing. That's why the show worked, because they just left us alone. (laughs) Oh, boy, I wish more executives were like that. No, I hear you. Yeah. They don't realize how much trouble they cause just by trying to do the right thing, supposedly. And really what they're doing is wrecking the opportunity for great fun. There's a big trick to
1: doing it. And you're also uh, the voice of Eek, and that's all I can think of when I'm talking to you now yes. on this call.
2: That's right. <laughs> Absolutely, I was.
1: This is not the era in which uh, creators voiced their creation. I mean, there was John Christopher Lucy on Ren & Stimpy, but that would come much later. How did you end up being the voice of the character that you created?
2: All right, well, this is gonna sound insane, but when I was a kid growing up, I had a cat named Chelsea. And when he talked to you, because all our animals spoke in my family, everybody did the voices of the of the animals. Right. So he would he was a, he'd call you a sapsucker and he'd ask for you know <laughs> something to eat. You so have this list and that's the way he talked. So whenever we were messing with Eek the Cat, you know, I would just do that voice in the meetings. We'd like, yeah, he like this. <laughs> and we tried to get real actors, you know, to do it, but nobody would listen. <laughs> it was just came down to like, we're recording next week and you're doing it. So.
0: It's such the perfect voice for this, you know, forever put upon helpful guy who's just destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> Though the show had amazing voice talent too. Like, I mean, just oh, Gary Owens God. alone, like, was just so good.
2: There's <laughs> so many people in there. I mean, I can't even... Re- God, I wish that I had taken more pictures, you know, Um, but yeah, I never wanted to be that guy like, hey, you know, (laughs) Uh, but man, we had William Shatner, Mr. T, guys from X-Files, Buck Henry, Tim Curry. I mean, it just went on and on. People just loved it, you know. So we could get anybody we wanted, really.
0: And uh yeah, I mean, were there any like you know censor issues on the show? Because it was. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, <laughs> don't have to our job. There's a
2: really funny article. I think I have a copy of it somewhere it was uh, from like Entertainment Weekly or something like that. And it was the list from Broadcast Standards and Practices about. The certain gags that we couldn't do and we we just we gave it to them and they published it hmm. and it was <laughs> hilarious because it was it's just like please don't give the postman a machine gun can you use an axe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i mean yeah we were always fighting broadcast standards and practices because mostly I, mean, I get why they're there but they're mostly full of shit hmm. and yeah, it really doesn't matter
1: you know? So, like, eventually, uh, in the run of Eek the Cat, uh, it became a vehicle for other characters and shorts. Uh, when did that di- idea come about? Of course, talking about uh, Terrible Thunder Lizards and Clutter as well.
2: Yeah, Clutter was later. The Thunder Lizards came, I think the Thunder Lizards came, like, on, on top of the second season. And then I went, uh, God, I think after the second season or maybe right towards the end of it, then I went to Disney to do Snuggers and Meat went back to Disney. Yeah. But I was still doing... And Savage I would still work on stories together, but you know, I, 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 it was that Snookers and Meat, the offer for that show was the first time I had my own show, you know? Mm. And that's really what I, like i've been working for all these other people so it was time to dig in and do something on my own yeah
1: unfortunately that show is a bit lost it's not on disney plus I and i i find it an interesting uh outlier from the so traditional fun. disney afternoon style it's
2: really funny i mean the the cat and the dog part of it are probably the weakest part text Star and pith possum i mean the animation is incredible and the stories are really funny <laughs> Yeah, it was a great, great experience. Was Terrible Thunder Lizards
0: originally planned as like a full Eek spinoff? And, or or was it always going to be a second uh, short with it?
2: I think Savage just wanted to expand the universe of the whole thing a little bit. And it was a funny idea. And we just said, well, we're just going to make it part of the... Part of that show it was it was a way to try to you know expand the um, the, the franchise i guess you'd call
0: it and uh man charlie adler is so good oh. too. I, his his
2: pain is is just perfect he's so good i have so much respect for that guy and i still talk to him periodically uh he's great he's one of those guys he, i think he was in every single Cartoon show I ever made. Hmm, yeah, I think so.
0: I think. I, yeah. So I have one more eat question. I I really want to get into is my favorite episode as a kid was the melvis episode, Great Balls of Fire. Oh Fred. man! I oh, just, man yeah, that, we're
2: going race.
0: <laughs> See, that was a joke that made me hysterical oh. as a kid because just the repetition of that of every Elvis movie was so so
1: funny. <laughs>
2: I love Elvis because I just love tacky. Hey, man, daddy! Oh, I just <laughs> love that voice. I love doing it. I love Elvis, and it's just so funny to say like, I don't want to be a guy sweeping up the basketball court, Lou Alcindor or whatever he calls her. You know, I want to <laughs> yeah. be an astro, it was, like, oh, Melvis. You know, the girl was like, oh, Melvis. Oh, God. Yeah, that,
0: I just, I love that episode. I mean, too, that, like, you know, in 92, or, uh, they, it was still going around the, like, Elvis lives kind of stuff. So, oh, yeah,
2: yeah. That was, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they were, there was a big show Bill Bixby hosted about Elvis is still alive, maybe. Oh, yeah. We were all over that.
1: There were still Elvis sightings reported. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I, I I just, that story is great, you know. I mean, I did, I did him again in Mad Jack. There's an episode where, they, they meet the, this guy, the Great Kapow, and he's like the, it's like Elvis, but he's like the Wizard of Oz. He's hiding. And he's this <laughs> god, and they keep keep the, the islands made of food, and they keep. It's called the Great Kapow. Mm-hmm. If you if if you like my Melvis, you gotta <laughs> watch that one. Right.
0: <laughs> That's just my my total favorite there. I I did you know to backtrack a little bit. I did want to ask about the pressure luck whammies because those. Yeah. I didn't like watching most uh, as a little kid. I didn't really care about game shows, but yeah, but, but those just waiting to see a whammy do a thing. I I love that.
2: And that, that was, Way, way, way before digital drawing was a thing. So that was a, a, a machine called the Quantel Paint Box. And it was this really crude device where you that and that's why the anime the, the whammies looked like shit because there was no way to really animate <laughs> on this. And Savage had been doing that as a freelance thing. I think it goes back. So, you know, everybody everybody pins it on me, but it was really Savage. And then he gave it to me kind of in between movies. He's like, here, do the whammy. And then it stuck, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can't believe how I still get, you know, emails from people that, you know, it's like, we'll give you fifty bucks if you draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I know there's,
1: there's been a reboot fear. of Your Luck, but I don't know if they kept the whammies. I was too afraid to check because they'd be like CGI whammies uh, now. I bet. I'd well, feel- they,
2: I I remember too when they were doing that. I actually got called into a meeting with whoever was doing it, and and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna do it like CG or whatever, you know." And I was like, "Great." <laughs> <laughs> That's better than what we did. I didn't want anything to do with it. You know, no, I, I was
0: just, it was, I mean, it, as a kid, it was just a treat to see anything drawn on television, just to it, see a cartoon yeah,
2: cartoon. yeah, it's weird. It's like looking for a prize in a cereal box or something like that. It was just, it's just an oddball thing. And they weren't funny. It was so dumb. It's like, you never know what people are going to like. I mean, you know, so the worst thing you could draw ends up, you know. <laughs> being like something that people of it's just weird i mean it's, you can work so hard and once one thing and, and nobody gets it and then just like throw something off and then it's like ah. <laughs> but i think you're right i think it was the culture at the time and the audience you know were just like it was just so weird it was unique
1: yeah, something you've never seen before.
2: Yeah,
0: especially in afternoons on cable before, you know, cartoons were on every cable channel. It was yeah. like, yeah, well, that's there's, right. yeah. there's no cartoons on, but I can watch this game show, and I will occasionally get a cartoon. 3% movie.
2: cartoon content. Yeah. And then there was that guy
0: that figured out
2: the board, remember? he oh life. yeah he got, he made he like a whole, million down, a whole documentary on that guy i
0: uh another thing i did want to ask about was the the tales from the crypt episode the third pig like that's the it's the final episode of the the original hbo of tales from the crypt like so how did that come together to do a whole animated episode of tales
2: from the crypt well for years and i mean years like maybe like a decade <laughs> i'd been trying to pitch the tales from the crypt or whatever i don't this story called Little Dead Riding Hood. I finally did a book last year of it. Mm. And I, I got in with the, somebody at Joel Silver's company, like, I don't know, right? Maybe during the Eek thing, or maybe it was Tasmania. But I would call the office, his office, every day at, like, noon. And his secretary just got sick of me, you know. <laughs> finally, she set up a meeting. And um, still, it didn't really go anywhere. And then years, I guess, into the early 90s? Because that was 94, I think. Um, I finally got a meeting and I pitched it to, to Joel Silver and, and Nelvana had helped set this up because of all the eek stuff. Yeah. He's like, okay, good. Yeah. It's funny. I like it. And then like the next day I get a phone call from his, not from him, but from his office saying like, Joel wants to know if you got a three little pigs one instead. Uh... And I'm like, yeah, I got it right here. (laughs) I did not. And I wrote, I wrote that script in five days. I just like sat down and wrote it. And then I, took it in and pitched it, and he was like, great, let's go. (laughs) It took about six years, you know, for me to get in there so i could finally get a an episode
0: <laughs> now it's uh it's a really it it starts as a like kind of a parody of the disney three little pigs and then and grows from there i i especially
2: loved like how i mean you definitely take advantage of being on hbo yeah with the oh yeah that. well that was the whole that was the gag it's like you know we're not doing classy animation here it's gonna look like rocky and Bullwinkle, but it's gonna be so you know if we'd have done like one crazy summer style animation or Roger Rabbit on that with the blood it would have it would not have the same joke impact mm. the reason the violence in tales in that third pig works is because it's drawn so expressively crude that it works and if it were done with like glory it would have just, the joke would not have been it's the same like in Holy Grail and Python with, with the black knight mm. it has to be that Absurd,
0: it's some of the most disturbing screaming I've heard Cam Clark do in something. I think yes.
2: too. Yeah. Uh, he was great at that.
0: I, I especially love it.
2: Ends with, I
0: it ends with a blackout gag, but then the wolf pulls it open like, No, you're gonna watch me eat this pig. Like, it's gonna
2: well, happen. you still don't really see him eat. I mean, well, you kind of do, but it still goes it just and then there's blood, yeah. and then maybe say pork, the other, the other light meat because the white meat. Phrase was copyrighted Oh, um, uh, that's. Yeah. Gee, man, I we
0: could uh, ask a million more. You can
2: see now. him eat him actually. Now that I'm right, he bites his head off.
0: Yeah, see, <laughs> you see his insides. It's uh, it's yeah. intense. <laughs> the
2: I think you see everybody's insides. Yeah.
1: I say put it on HBO Max.
0: Yeah. What the? Uh, did it? I think the Tales of the Crypt. It's not on there. It's yet, not. Not
1: it? yet. No. no.
0: It's, it's like uh, none of it. That's, it's on
2: Prime. You can find it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah. Really.
2: It's also on YouTube, I mean, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: But, Bill, uh, is there anything you want to talk about you've been working on lately that you'd like people to check out?
2: Well, I I'm, I did my Little Dead Riding Hood book, which I'm really proud of. And there's only like 100 copies of that. There's a couple on eBay and there's some on my site. I am right now getting involved in a new show, but I can't talk about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really cool and it's pretty big. So I think uh, it'll be soon because things are things are starting to to, progress is moving ahead. That's good. Uh, It's a it's a new it's a new show. It's a show that everybody's gonna like. Uh, There's a little bit of familiarity to one of the characters. So Mm, okay, I I really can't say. Yeah, I'm, I'm under orders. (laughs) <laughs> all right I'm, I'm there will it. be something said probably in in a few weeks ah, okay. oh okay cool i'm looking forward
0: to it then i well i mean you just recently i think did a voice on that uh the series amphibia i believe are you are you doing yeah
2: yeah also i want to say on this new show i'm also working with the um, kyle Carroza. he's uh I, I made him supervising director on on the thing that we're oh, on, nice. on the secret thing that we're doing and then i did some voice work on his magiswords thing that Oh,
0: man, cool. fish, fish, man. Awesome. Wow. All right, man. I mean, I can't Which wait to Which is basically Pierre from Eat the
2: Cat.
0: <laughs> uh, I love Pierre. I love the, him. Oh,
2: because I'm Frank.
0: <laughs> uh, man, oh but, but thank you so much, Bill. Yeah, thank for, you, Bill. We are looking
2: forward to hey, You're welcome. These are good questions. Uh, Sometimes I don't get as good a question. Girlfriend Annabelle.
0: Well, gee, she's really. fat.
2: Really?